Hey, everybody, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. Hey, man, I'm excited to announce a great community and platform that I've been working with called Rare Liquid. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, I was at an incredible event in Paso Robles with the Rare Liquid team and their founding artist and producer, Turtle Rock Vineyards. Uh, you might remember this was my number one wine from 2021, my famous Blackberry Cobbler a la mode motherfucker. Uh, Rare Liquid is really cool. They're building a network of artists and producers, collectors, and storage providers to solve the provenance problem for the rare wine and spirit industry. Members get access to verified limited edition drops from elite producers and can frictionlessly share, trade, gift, and monetize their collections. While for the first time in history, artists and producers can earn a royalty payment every time their bottles trade on the platform. Rare Liquid is expanding to 560 members through their invite-only Founders Club drop. You can check it out at rareliquid.club, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, Rare Liquid has given me a limited number of membership invitations. If you're interested in an invitation and learning more, hit me up on Instagram at MJTaller, or you can just send an email to blackwineguy at gmail.com. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a Black Wine Guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is the CEO and winemaker for the historic estate Argiano Bernardino Sani. Argiano is an estate that dates back to 1580. Uh, Bernardino worked his first internship at Argiano and after stints at Coldorsha and Long Island's Bedell Cellars, uh, he moved to Paris to work for the International Organization of Vine and Wine. In 2012, he returned to Montalcino to take over as a winemaker at Argiano. And in 2014, he added the role of CEO to his duties. Welcome, Bernardo Dino. Did I say that right? Yes, perfectly okay. right. Thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, So thanks for being here. I know it's been a crazy week for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not even a week. Uh, four days around across the Connecticut, Massachusetts, and here. Oh, my God. Days. And that is um, four days, and that's uh, you're flying... At end of time, yes, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so I got you, you got it in though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell everybody uh, which wines you brought for us to try this afternoon. Oh, absolutely, we have the recent vintage of Brunello di Montalcino that we are launching now. The eighteen vintage of Brunello, and of course, this is the most historical uh, traditional wine that we make at Argiano. And then we have the Super Tuscan, the Solengo 2020. I love the vintage 2020. I, I, I really adore that vintage. And the Solengo is our blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Sangiovese. Oh, sounds yummy. Oh, my God. So um, what I like to do is uh, start at the beginning. And it's about you. So um, where are you from? Where did you grow up? In Siena. Okay. I grew up in Siena. That is uh, the, the province of uh, Montalcino. So uh, middle oh. of Tuscany. Middle of Tuscany. So for myself and all our other American listeners who haven't been to Siena, <laughs> where would that be in relationship to Rome, let's say? 
okay, so it's two hour north of Rome, driving okay. in the center of Italy, mm -hmm. and it's a very historical city. It developed a lot during the Middle Ages. Uh, uh, it's close to Florence that uh, most people know, and yes. uh, it's a beautiful city. I have to, I can say it because <laughs> I live there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and isn't uh, I know Florence and Siena, so they were part of the uh, Renaissance, correct? Like, and. Um, what famous historical figures are from like that era, Siena, Florence? Oh, absolutely. So in Siena, I, many saints, including San Bernardino, okay. <laughs> San Catherine, the painters, uh, Simone Martini, Duccio di Boninsegna, and then that was more Middle Ages. Though. Okay, okay. And Siena at that time was really important. Then uh, uh, the Florentine people became more important and Renaissance time, so 15th century, 16th century, and that was the time of uh, Michelangelo, of Leonardo da Vinci, of all those important uh, uh, genius of that time. Oh, wow. See, yeah. So I, 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 somewhere in every movie I've ever watched, there was, there was no, I was like, there's something super special about this area. Um, and um, I've only been to Rome and Positano. My wife went to, my wife loves Florence. Oh, great. She, she loves Florence. Great. So she wants, we, we need to go there and have to check it out. But uh, I think I might have to come check you out, Dominic. All, always invited. <laughs> <Okay>. Always invited. <laughs> so um, what what was like life like for you back then? Because I know here in the States, um, things change and, and wine, like, uh, you know, I was doing some research and there wasn't a whole lot of wineries, but like, what was it like growing up in Siena? You know, was it... Um, just very family centric or absolutely yes Siena, so Siena is famous for the Palio horse race I don't know if you are familiar with that we do have this uh, I would say crazy horse race that happened twice uh, a year okay. on July and August uh, and it's a medieval tradition so Siena is still divided into 17 uh, districts okay. barrios mm -hmm. uh, contrada we call them that uh, dates back from the times of middle ages and uh, that is almost a family for us so depending on where you are born you are part Part of this contrada and it's like having a big family that is in the neighborhood and uh, these contradas not only participate at the palio horse race that is uh, crazy everything is permitted uh, we run bareback uh, in the middle uh, square of the city but is uh, whole all year round is, uh, is is really part of life so you grew up in this big I mean, it's these small communities, but uh, very family style, uh, full of traditions. Uh, and of course, you are exposed to uh, wine and food. I mean, we, we drink wine uh, since we are pretty uh, young in Siena. <laughs> that, was, that was actually my next question. I was like, so what was wine a part of your family growing up? Like it was always on the table or? Yes, 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 yes. Especially before, you know, now uh, life changed. So now people drink more on the weekend mm -hmm. and maybe more fine wines. My family, my grandpa uh, used to drink wine on a regular basis, uh, just a couple of glasses, not, not yeah. too much, but uh, and more uh, table wine, good table wine, maybe good, fresh, uh, nice Sangiovese, but that was the, the tradition. Yeah, and I know Italy is famous for um, its regional um, cuisine, its regional food, so kind of like what is the style of food, uh, as I know um, Tuscany is known for, but is there... A, 
like in Siena, is there a different style? Like what is kind of like the mainstay like of, of uh, like I know there's different types of pasta and sometimes it's different games, sometimes maybe rap. Like, so what do you, what, what kind of what do we eat? You're perfectly right. So yes, it's true. Italy, wherever you go, you find different food, different uh, traditions, different culture. And in Siena, like in Florence, but in Siena, yeah, there's a lot of meat. So the stick, uh, Florentine stick, Definitely. is almost uh, worldwide. We stick a chianina is the name of the cow. And beside that, a lot of fresh pasta, tagliatelle, pinci that are typically Montalcino. And it's like uh, a thick spaghetti, homemade, pretty thick, just uh, with uh, wheat and water, no eggs. Mm. And those goes with all kind of uh, a bolognese sauce uh, and uh, a wild boar. Uh, the wild boar wild boars, uh, Yes, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, that is typical. Uh, and beside that, uh, very great uh, uh, ham and cheeses in Siena. A lot of uh, uh, production. We have a pig called uh, Cinta Senese, that is a little black pig, mm -hmm. and that uh, uh, we do very, very good uh, uh, prosciutto. And uh, beside that, uh, we have also great vegetables because Tuscany has a Mediterranean weather. Mm -hmm. So fish on the coast, uh, Siena, no, 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 no sea, so less fish, but uh, uh, beautiful vegetables. Yes, yeah. for sure. Sounds like a, a nice place to grow up and nice way to eat. And, and, yeah, and yeah, die. yeah. That's <laughs> not bad. So your family, um, what was your like your father's profession? Was your father in any facet of the wine business or agriculture or at all? No, my uncle. Yes, okay. he he used to raise uh, horses, so I was okay. horse riding a lot with him and. Uh, and uh, my father was a doctor, my mother a tourist guide in Siena. Okay, very cool. And so when it comes time for you to go off to university, uh, did you stay local or did you go, where did you go to university? No, I, w I went to Florence. So while at the university, I started to work uh, in the cellar of Coldorcia, that is another winery in yep. Montalcino. And I did my final study of the university in Montpellier, that is a super nice, vibrant city in the south of France. Mm -hmm. Very university background, so full of different kind of students, uh, was mixed up, I loved that. And, uh, and after that, I came back to work uh, in uh, Col Dorcia, but I was a little bit tired of the life in Montalcino, you know, I was <laughs> younger, so I decided yeah. to make uh, an experience uh, in Bedell Cellar that at least was one hour from New York and uh, was offering more <laughs> for a young uh, winemaker at that time. So, yeah, like, how did you come to uh, connect with uh, Bedell Cellars? I mean, because... Yeah, it's a f it's a long way from home. <laughs> it is. I so I came. I think I came to New York. So I visited m multiple times New York with uh, everybody. I think it's very touristic destination in, mm -hmm. in with my family, with friends. And the last time I think was two thousand and uh, before going to Bedell was two thousand and five. And I went to a local uh, wine shop in Soho, and I okay. had a bottle of Bedell. I liked it. So then uh, I came back to Siena and I proposed myself for the for the position. They say, yeah, yes, we need harvest uh, helper yep. and let's go, let's do it. And yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. Great experience, great experience. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what should I what should I what should we try first here? Brunello 18 first. Okay. Yeah. So Brunello 18 is uh, Sangiovese 
hundred percent. So you know Brunello get the name from uh, the way the local people used to call Sangiovese. So dark in Brunello means uh, darker color. Okay. And uh, they also used to call Sangiovese Sangiovese Grosso because when they started the production of Brunello in the late nineteenth century, the berries of Sangiovese were pretty big. Okay. And so they get this name Grosso that means big. And uh, Sangiovese 100% has to age five years in total. Okay. So we are tasting the 18 vintage that uh, has been uh, two years and a half in wood uh, and one year in the bottle minimum before to go in the market. And uh, I, I really like the vintage. 18 uh, was a cooler vintage. Okay. So if you look at the past uh, five years, uh, we have or 10 years, we have been for sure having more hot and warmer vintages than cooler ones. Okay. Uh, 18 was not the case of a warmer vintage. Was uh, uh, The winter time was cold, but and then the springtime in May was rainy, June hot, but then July the temperature decreased. So it's not a vintage of uh, very high concentration. Uh, it's more on the balance, on the elegant side of the, of the Sangiovese. Uh, and also Argiano style aim on that, uh, in that direction trying to make wine that are food friendly, I call them, very mm -hmm. gastronomic, match food well. Gastronomic, that's a good word. Um, beautiful nose. And like what, I, what, I, what I'm enjoying, just smelling the wine is, it's really fresh and bright. Um, but I know like Brunello can age for like 30 years, 40 years, even if it's stored properly. Absolutely, it is, um, you know, the acidity is the key. Mm -hmm. The Sangiovese has a good, vibrant, bright acidity. A pH is low, so it, it is a low to age, very good. But Argiano, as a style and as a position, so uh, we are in the southwest side of the hill of Montalcino, middle of the hill, 350 meters above the sea level. It's an area that allows you to make wine that are powerful, but still very balanced in the beginning. So you can enjoy it maybe earlier than uh, other places. Gotcha, gotcha. So you work a harvest at Bedell. Um, how long, and did you stay after that or just one season? Did you hang out uh, for a I while? stayed uh, in total, I think, six months and okay. then uh, one month in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you had to do it, right? You had to do it. <laughs> and I spent all the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made it six months in one month in Manhattan. <laughs> and then is, is, it was after the Bedell's that you moved to Paris? Yes, okay. yes, definitely. So what is um, what is the International Organization for Vine and Wine? So it's connected to FAO Institute, that is a worldwide organization to fight hunger and, uh, and, and agriculture okay. uh, development. Uh, and um, it's, uh, it's basically the organization that is making uh, all uh, the statistics uh, on wine uh, for European wine mm -hmm. and all uh, the laws for uh, European wine. So uh, basically my job was connected uh, with, uh, um, with uh, the regulations uh, on uh, the different uh, um, laws on the different OC appellation okay, that you have in, uh -huh. in between Italy, France, and all there, because they're trying to sum up uh, a, like a generic rule for everybody that is worth for everybody in Europe. Right, um, yeah, because everybody has like their which we, you know, America, we don't have such strict rules, which is it's blessing and a curse. Um, <laughs> it's, it's crazy by us. It's yeah, crazy. yeah, exactly, right, exactly. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, because you know, you get into like, yeah, like at least once you get an understanding of the European wine systems and everything, 
you, you can feel confident buying a bottle, right? I mean, I think it, it, that's what's really nice about it. Um, and then, um, you know, but then the wild, we have the Wild West, so people just blend grapes and, you know, make, yeah, make yeah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that, that, that actually, that is much more simple because even I, when I have to choose a wine uh, from a region that I know I don't know well, mm -hmm. I get confused sometimes yeah. because we have thousand names uh, that refer to the same grapes, uh, thousand different uh, regulations uh, in, in between France, Italy, and different regions, and so it's way better to call for a cab. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and you know what, what you get. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, you're working like on the regulatory side. Um, what, uh, how'd you begin to make your way to uh, the winemaking side of things? So, yeah, so as I was telling, my background at the university was winemaking okay. in, in Coldorcia, in Montalcino, the okay. winemaking. So after Paris, uh, I went back to work with uh, a great man, with, uh, he's still a consultant winemaker for some of the best wineries in, uh, in the area. Uh, in Montalcino, he's consulting for very important wineries. Uh, and so I joined him and I was his assistant uh, for uh, four years. And I learned a lot from him. He's uh, considered Paolo Vagagini. He's one of the best uh, experts of Sangiovese. He's, uh, he has a great experience. He worked for Biondi Santi, Fuligni, Ciacci Piccolomini, some of the very important uh, producer of wine there in Montalcino. So that was a great experience, hard work but uh, great experience. I was uh, uh, dealing with the laboratory, mm -hmm. so we were doing also wine analysis and consulting the for, uh, for the different wineries. And I tasted a lot of great Sangioveses and that made me grow in, the <laughs> <Okay>. in this. <laughs> so, um, just to kind of give listeners a, a point of reference, so, you know, we have you know, Michel Ruland is a well-known consultant in Bordeaux. So the, he's like an equivalent of that. Like he's a he's the guy who, when you want to make the best, you know, Sangiovese, you go to yeah, Palo. Absolutely. So uh, Michel Ruland is is an amazing winemaker and travels the world right. and do it with different. Paolo did specialize more. Gotcha. In, I mean, he he chose to focus in that in mm -hmm. Sangiovese. So this is yeah his focus. And so what was that like working? I mean, essentially, it seems like he's a legend. Um, and you said you learned a lot. Um, what were kind of your duties when you worked with him? Oh, so I, I, well, we were visiting regularly wineries. Okay. So it was nice because we had our office in Siena and the laboratory in Siena. We were tasting the wines in the morning. Then we were hitting, uh, I mean, going to the winery, uh, consulting. That means... Uh, you go there, you taste the wines with the producers, uh, you do the final blends, uh, or maybe you taste the wines during fermentation just to choose uh, what wine goes in what barrel and how to do the, the fermentation process. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of uh, problem solving also because mm -hmm. uh, uh, they call you because they have maybe a problem in the in the cellar, so you have to figure it out how to solve it or at least give a good answer because <laughs> <laughs> And so at that time, were you, um, as you're visiting wineries and everything, um, were you making any wine on your own or just? So like I, with, with, with Paolo, yes, okay. of course, uh, not in the, in the Montalcino area that yeah. uh, where the, the, the big boys are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I did uh, consult, uh, I mean, he gave me some wineries to consult in the, in the Pisa area and Chianti area that are, well, north of Siena, so, mm. yeah. 
and um, just there are many people like like I I'm always shocked that people don't realize that the you know people think Chianti some people think Chianti is a grape so uh, Chianti is also made from Sangiovese. Um, what like what is the difference in uh, the regulations around Chianti <coughs> Chianti Classico and then Brunello de Montalcino? Right, so a Chianti. Chianti Classico and Brunello, of course, are three different uh, names for three different wines for three different regions. Okay. Uh, Brunello is uh, southwest of Siena, also in the province of Siena, and uh, it's uh, Sangiovese 100%. Uh, it does have to come from the village of Montalcino. It does have to age five years before to be gotcha. released. It does have to come from vineyards that are registered as Brunello di Montalcino, and it's a closed register. So nowadays it's not possible to do more quantity than uh, the official one. Even if you plant new Sangiovese in Montalcino, you will make uh, table wine, not uh, Brunello wow. di Montalcino. Wow. Wow. Chianti Classico is the area between Siena and Florence. Okay. So if you ask someone from Siena what's the best part of Chianti Classico, of course, he will answer is the Siena part. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask someone from Florence, he will ask uh, Florence part because uh, we, 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 we have been fighting forever. Of course. Florence. But uh, anyway, Chianti Classico, it's different villages. Maybe just to mention a few, Gaiole, Castellina, Radda, Panzano, Greve that are in between Siena and Florence. Uh, what's the specificity is uh, 85% okay. Sangiovese, and the rest, 15%, uh, you can choose what to add. Okay. Mostly of the producers, they keep it on 100% Sangiovese, but others make more, let's call them modern wine, mm -hmm. adding Cabernet or Merlot or different grapes. Okay. It has to be from this area, like Montalcino, that, but it's a little bit bigger, the area, than Montalcino. And... Uh, Usually the hills of Chianti are a little bit cooler climate than uh, Montalcino and it's different soils. It's uh, mostly in the good area Galestro than different soils. So Chianti Classico has uh, usually, not always a style that is a little bit uh, lighter body than uh, Brunello di Montalcino, but this is not always. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Chianti in general, Chianti is more generic appellation. Okay. So it covers... Uh, a, a big part of Tuscany, okay. uh, Siena, Empoli, uh, Firenze, areas, uh, provinces, uh, and uh, has uh, a regulation that is a little bit less stricter than the Chianti Classico and the Brunello one, especially in terms of production of volumes. So that's an area that is also 85% Sangiovese. It's uh, a little bit more about the producers rather than the appellation, in okay. the sense that mm -hmm. when you ask for a Chianti Classico, more or less, you know what you get. Montalcino, you know what you get. Chianti, you can get a different style and gotcha. uh, of wine, mm -hmm. yes. All right, very cool. Um, so, we said in the, uh, your, your first internship was at Argiano. Uh, yes, right. In 2002, okay. before going to Col Dolce, I did by totally by chance. So I did the internship as you do when you are in the university. Yep. And I did it in Argiano and uh, choosing Argiano because it was already an iconic estate mm -hmm. at that time. And I had the fortune to work with uh, Giacomo Takis that at that time was the consultant of Argiano. And uh, he has been one of the uh, godfather of wine in Italy. He is the one who did uh, Tignanello, Solaya, mm -hmm. Worker for Sassicaia, so those iconic wines. Yep, yeah. Um, so, 
it was um, you worked with Palo for four years, and how did you come to get the winemaking job at Argiano? Oh, that's a, <laughs> a long story. In the sense, well, we got time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're here for. <laughs> so I uh, after consulting with Paolo, yeah. I, fo- I felt that uh, there were a lot of great winemakers uh, in Italy and consultant winemakers. What Italy missed at that time, in my opinion, was uh, a winemaker that also knew a little bit more about the market of wine and the sales of okay. wine, yep. because it was very different fields. And uh, like people, they were making wine without even thinking about uh, to whom to sell the wines. Yeah. So I wanted to approach a little bit this field. So I decided to accept the proposal from uh, a wine distributor that uh, was uh, selling the wines all over the Caribbean island. Okay. I went to live in San Martin and uh, I was the key account manager for all the islands. Uh, so San Bart, San Kitts, uh, Nevis, uh, Anguilla, all those islands. And was lovely, lovely experience. We were selling great wines, uh, not only from Italy, France, all over the world. Uh, great markets. Uh, I was, was, I was in love with living there, and uh, still I am. Uh, at the point that uh, I find my wife there, okay. so <laughs> <laughs> we, I came back to Italy because uh, during Vin Italy, that is the biggest wine yep. fair, uh, I was proposed the job of sales director for Argiano by Argiano. Uh, at that time, I was still working in the Caribbean, but I accepted. Uh, my wife uh, fr- came from the D- Dominican Republic, from the DR, to live with me in, uh, in Montalcino. That was tough for her because the Montalcino is a small uh, little small village. So she's, uh, I have to thank her for, for this. There's <laughs> no Dominican food. Hey, also, yes, and no, <laughs> no plantains, man. <laughs> what, what she missed the most is the Teteo Dominicano. That is the party, yes. the Dominican yeah, party. Yeah, so yeah. Montalcino is, is, is great for food and wine, but uh, you have to relax. I mean, it's, uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we went to live in Montalcino and at that time the owner of Argiano was uh, Noemi Cinzano Maroni uh, by the end of the year 2012 she sold the winery to Andre Esteves and Lilian Esteves and th- th- those people those, this family had an, uh, an amazing passion for wine and uh, was really in love with Argiano and when they bought Argiano Argiano was in serious need of restoration mm-hmm. Uh, the wines, the vineyards, and the estate itself, the castle. So they wanted someone to fully dedicate himself uh, uh, to to do this. Uh, They had a serious project, and uh, they were kind enough to propose me to become the CEO and the winemaker. And there, with my team uh, that, uh, I mean, we have uh, Francesco, mm, the agronomist that is uh, one of the greatest, in my opinion, in the area, we started uh, a lot of... uh, hardworking and different projects, trying to bring Argiano to its original splendor. I mean, we worked very hard in the past 10 years just uh, to make it uh, better and better as possible. Yeah. So let's let's talk about, let's back up a little bit. Let's see, like, so you got this young man, and he's Italian. He's a, he's a good-looking guy. You guys will, uh, when I, this does go up no, on YouTube, handsome guy, <laughs> you know, smooth dude. Um, and so first he's in Long Island. So, like, I was like, I was thinking when you said, I was like, okay, so... You're like, wait, this is not New York City <laughs> when you're out on Long Island. <laughs> exactly. Right? You, you, <laughs> not the same thing. <laughs> so exactly. I, so, 
and I didn't understand them at the beginning. You know, the, the Long Island. Yeah. Not, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Long Island. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 100%, right? And so I was like, so I, I could see how after spending time out on the end, uh, the East End, you came back like, okay, I need to spend a, a month in New York and then it blew all your money, but I'm sure it was a hell of a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, yes. And then um, I really love what you said and I, I would love for you to talk about a little bit more. Um, about um, that you went and did sales. You saw that most winemakers were making wines. They had no idea how they were going to market or sell them. Um, talk, talk, about, um, talk about that. Talk about why um, uh, what you saw, if you dive a little bit deeper, what you saw um, and um, kind of how you were able to... Um, <clears throat> to be an impact uh, when you were working in the Caribbean. Oh yes, absolutely. So when uh, while in Italy I realized for example many uh, many entrepreneurs call my 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 boss the winemaker mm -hmm. uh, to consult and they started projects like I have this beautiful piece of land let's build a beautiful cellar, let's plant the vineyards, uh, let's make wine uh, and they didn't even have no clue about how to sell the wine. So, <laughs> right. I mean, that uh, was shocking to me. And the, and the winemaker that was able to make outstanding wine didn't even know how to help them to, to find any, any market for the wine or so. So I wanted to connect with the final customers also because uh, Italian wines are, especially the good ones, are exported for a major percentage because Italy is very regional. Yes. Uh, so Brunello... You sell it in Tuscany, they, they, they were in Montalcino. You sell a little bit in Milano and Roma, but the rest you export. Okay. Because uh, every region has its own food, its own wine. So it's important to know the market. Uh, and the Caribbean, uh, like New York, I don't think there's a better way because it's, there's such a diversity. It's the same as this city. I mean, you, you every island is yeah, different. Yeah. You go from... Uh, uh, English culture to Creole culture yeah. to Spanish culture uh, to American uh, tourist uh, culture uh, <laughs> and culture uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and so you have to you, you have to learn you have to learn how to deal with people you have to learn uh, what people want and for example you learn that uh, our way is way too complicated for the final customers, our way in, in, in the appel wine appellation. So mm -hmm. in many cases, those people, they did, don't even know mm, how to call the wine yeah. or what's in the wine because they have this kind of difficulty. So it's a great experience to, to know uh, the, 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 the final customers because usually in wine, this doesn't happen so, 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 so well. Yeah, no, I, that, that makes so much sense. Um, you know, uh, it's so much I gloss over, but right. I mean, they're, they're, you know, the, the colonization of the islands, like so. Some, like I said, some are Spanish, some are French, some are British. When you're naming the islands, I was like, I was like okay, okay, so uh, Saint Martin, that was Dutch, right? You were a Dutch yeah. Saint Martin, yeah. Yeah, Martin. Dutch and French. Dutch and French. Half, yes. Yep. Dutch is the fun part. Yes. I think the yeah. <laughs> French is the beautiful. Way yeah. That, uh, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, and then you're like Saint Bart, Saint Kitts. I'm like, also oh, there's, you know. What people don't understand because the Caribbean is the way it is, tax laws, shelters, like like there's a lot of wealth down there. So sure. So if you have high end wines, there is a market for them for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And what I see 
Well, I mean, mm, speaking about the DR, for example, 15 years ago, mm, local people, they were drinking beer, uh, rum, rum and spirits. Mm-hmm. And in the good occasion, whiskey, but not, uh, mm-hmm. not wine. Now, the consumption of wine is incredibly high because the, most of the people, they stop to drink uh, a spirits and beer on a regular basis and they go for wine. Um, depending on the wealth, uh, more entry-level wine or, uh, or Brunello, but uh, anyway, there's a, the, the, the wine consumption is growing also for people who culturally weren't uh, drinking for a long time. Yeah, historically didn't drink wine, yeah. Makes sense. So it's a good moment now in, the, in this. Um, you got me thinking um, about because you've lived so many places. What was it like to experience uh, the Caribbean, co- the food culture of the Caribbean? Because it's way different from anything in Europe. <laughs> I, lo- I, I me, I love it. Yeah. So it's um, a, I, I, I mean, I love it. Uh, the the Creole. Uh, food yeah. and the Spanish okay. food, so mm. the Latin, the Dominican, uh, yeah. Dominicano, all that. Uh, the um, in some island a little bit less. So the English. Mm, yeah, I mean England, mm, England has always historically I mean, struggled <laughs> with their cuisine. I mean things yes. have changed in Lo- but in London, but historically, British food was known to be pretty bland. And uh, yes, is is not the best because they have also some English uh, strong English cultural uh, places in the Caribbean. But yeah. what I love in the Creole. Uh, uh, food is how they they mix up the ingredients. I mean, it's it's, it's really you feel uh, the history there because you, you they took rice uh, and uh, and fish uh, and chicken and the, the, all the spices uh, and then the beans uh, the, the the use of the and uh, and it's so nice. I have a lot of uh, things that I love. I love the Creole sauces uh, and uh, I love how they do the fish the coconut fish. Uh, and of course, uh, pairing with wine is a little bit more. Yeah, it becomes difficult. It's so spicy, and and you got citrus. Yes. But but it is. Yeah, it's it's like my wife wants to make all these recipes. I'm like, no, just let's do something simple. And and I and I think of like you think of some of the classic dishes from Italy. They're like four or five ingredients. Right, right, right so right. simple. Yes, you know. So yeah, I could, that's really cool though. That like you really took that. Although, I for example, in, I my my wife she cook uh, the. The, uh, they call it uh, the rabo de vaca. It's okay. the the part of the of a cow. Yeah, that is exactly the same as the coda alla vaccinara in Rome. So okay. one time we were in Rome. A coda alla vaccinara is this uh, a meat uh, plate, very historical, very typical from Roma. And one day I was in the restaurant with my wife, and she said, "But this is Dominican." And I said, "No, this is uh, this is Roman. <laughs> <laughs> been, been eaten in Roma for for hundreds of years. Oh, come on." And I said, "No, no, this is Dominican." And 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 then he he showed me that the, there's a, a totally a, the same recipe in Dominican Republic for this uh, this plate. So it, uh, you see that people were moving around in the Caribbean. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean that's and that completely makes sense. Um, how I, I really love that because I was seeing someone was I saw on Instagram, but like they had a bunch of chefs in in Washington D.C. They're talking about food is like in a universal language, like you know music. Univer- food yeah. is also another universal language, right? Because we come together over the table, you know, break bread, whatever, have some wine, and um, it's and really kind of like celebrating. Um, the 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 uh, 
the crossing of the cultures, how, how like I said, because it was all maritime. People were going, right. you know, right. you know, someone could have, you know, uh, Columbus was in Dominican. He was Italian. You know what I mean? Like, there's ways this can make sense. There was someone on that boat who was like, yo, let's make this dish down in <laughs> exactly. Dominican. They thought, you know, and then they go back to Rome and they're like, yo, this is our dish. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, it is funny about this dish. Yeah, it's yeah. Like this. And, and it's so, you know, food. And wine is so intertwined with world history, you know. Uh, and I guess you would see that more where you're from because um, Argiano dates back to 1580. Right. That's a long time. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it dates back to 1580 exactly like it is now. So it has been under a huge restoration. Sure. Now, now yeah. it's really beautiful. <laughs> but uh, anyway, as a farm, as a producer of wine... Um, as a producer of uh, oil, has been going on for centuries. And, uh, and of course, uh, you see in Italy this thing that uh, wine is born after food. So um, sometimes people question me about the fact that uh, uh, the Brunello, or uh, in general, not speaking only about the wine of Arciano, it's, uh, it's not the wine that uh, they can have uh, just a glass of wine without mm -hmm. any food. And I say, yes, of course, because Brunello is something that uh, people uh, did for eating uh, for drinking with food so this is uh, this is the explanation it's uh, it's really the two things are together and uh, celeb all, celebra all celebration every celebration in italy goes uh, with food and wine i mean it's uh, there's no no way to do differently so we it is really part of our culture every party that we do and the, and this, for example, my wife sometimes complain because we spend more time uh, eating and drinking than uh, I don't know listening to music. Yeah. But this, <laughs> <laughs> this is how it is. I mean, it's uh, for it, every culture is different, and in Italy, food and wine is important. Yeah, I and I, you know, um, when when tasting, like I said, when you even just tasting consumers on uh, Italian wines, especially Sangioveses, it's really good to have something there, even if it's just a piece of cheese, something to change. The chemistry because you said the acid like these wines this is actually i mean what i this is delicious but thank you you know the acid just like okay this could go good with so many things right like that you know when you think about food and digestion you know we have acid or something, it aids in the digestion of the food but also like sometimes when you have like these bitter flavor that might appear bitter at first in the wine with food it it they balance each other out. Right. It's it, it's really what I love in the in the in the Brunello and what I love of Arjuna, it does have those tannins that mm -hmm. uh, they are there but they are pretty gentle and they clean your mouth of, in a very good way. Mm -hmm. uh, they are almost salty and they if you have food, cheese, um, ham, uh, meat uh, or whatever, you you clean your mouth with this wine. I mean, it goes very well for this to me. I love that. I love that. Um, kind of cleans the palate, sets you up for more. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're gonna do. We're gonna take a quick break. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna. I think we're gonna go dive really into uh, more of the history of Argiano and uh, what Bernardino is up to. Uh, so we'll be right back, everybody. Did you know that one out of every five bottles of collectible wines is a fake? Rare Liquid has solved this problem with a tech platform that provides unprecedented trust and transparency for next-gen wine collectors. Working directly with iconic artisans, they verify each bottle's provenance at its source, then track its rarity, 
ownership, storage, and transfer history on the blockchain. Rare Liquid members get exclusive access to these verified rare wines and can buy, store, and pimp their collections on the Rare Liquid platform. Membership includes physical seller storage as well as cloud sellers where you can display and trade bottles frictionlessly online without ever having to move the bottle until it's ready to be consumed. And because Rare Liquid tracks these on the blockchain, for the first time, artisans get a residual payment every time one of their bottles transfers ownership. Rare Liquid's game-changing tech creates a safe and frictionless experience for next-gen collectors while fairly rewarding iconic artisans for their craft. Rare Liquid membership is by invite only, but luckily I can help. I have a limited number of these invitations available for you, my listeners. And if you're interested in learning more about Rare Liquid, please reach out. You can hit me up on Instagram, at BlackWineGuy, or even better, send me an email, BlackWineGuy at gmail.com, and drop Rare Liquid in the subject line. Okay, we're back. Um, so we were talking about acidity. We were talking about food and wine, and we were, you know, we also had talked about uh, fifteen eighty and how you said that. Uh, so the property is the same, but obviously uh, it has undergone some renovations. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, were you a part of those renovations? So, like you said, there was a new owner came in, uh, the Santos family. Yes, a, a Brazilian uh, entrepreneur. Esteves, yeah, Andres yeah. Esteves. So he. Yeah. He bought Arjano in 2000, end of 2012, mm -hmm. and uh, Arjano, as every winery who has been going through such a history, had different times. I mean, uh, uh, different styles, uh, different owners, uh, different philosophy of production. Uh, and let's say that when he bought Arjano, uh, in that time, Arjano was in need of restoration. Uh, not only the, the castle, I will explain later what we did in the castle, okay. what he did, but uh, also the vineyards, uh, uh, the cellar, the winemaking. Uh, so we started uh, in 2012 uh, from the vineyards. We we decided to change the way we work our vineyards. Uh, we started to work our soil differently, um, keeping them more open, uh, encouraging the biodiversity. We bent the use of uh, chemical fertilizer because if you fertilize the soil, not only the chemicals uh, dries up the soil and is mm. less alive, but also the roots of the vines tend to stay in the surface, and we wanted to push them down, deeper down, because there, first of all, there is more water, and uh, knowing the climate, the, the global warming, we were afraid of uh, not having enough water for the vines. And second, uh, in the deeper down is what makes the soil uh, unique. I mean, the first part of soil uh, is the same in Central Park and in, uh, in Argiano. Okay. If you want uh, terroir, you have to go deeper down. After that, uh, we also started to be organic, uh, so no use of pesticide, uh, and we micro-mapped all our vineyards, uh, uh, individuating the best uh, blocks for uh, the production of Brunello. So since there, we started single uh, winemaking, single aging of, dif of each different parcel, and we just do the blend of the Brunello, the different Sangiovese vineyards at the very end, after the aging. Also in the cellar, we change it the way we work. So for the Brunello, we started, and for the Rosso di Montalcino, that is the younger Sangiovese, we started to use uh, very gentle practice in fermentation and maceration, meaning that when the grapes arrive, 
we try to be not too much to go for concentration. We want to respect the grapes. So we do just uh, two pumping overs a day, a cool temperature for fermentation, and uh, we ferment in cement tanks that are very gentle. After that, uh, we age the wine, the Sangiovese, in big oak barrels, mm, one to 5,000 liters barrels, so big, larger casks. And uh, all is uh, aim to do terroir-driven wines, uh, respectful of our location and soil, uh, and uh, balanced wine. Uh, so a lot of projects, uh, we change uh, the cellar, we restore uh, the vineyards, uh, we micromapped all the vineyards, and then in 2016, uh, finally, after things in the production were fixed, uh, they, we started the restoration of the estate of Argiano. And uh, I, I, I mean, I can speak about the wine because I, I'm involved in the winemaking, mm. uh, but uh, I can say as someone born and raised in Siena that Argiano now is one of the most beautiful places of the of the area of Tuscan. It's really, uh, there's a, a Renaissance style cellar. If you look at my Instagram or Argiano Instagram, Bernardino Sani or mm -hmm. Argiano, you, you, you find photos, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible, beautiful. The way they did the restoration, uh, the family Esteves did an amazing job, very respectful of the castle, of the style, but uh, top, top standard. And is hosting a collection of wine now from Argiano, from uh, the most important producers of Montalcino, from s French Chateau, that is uh, incredibly beautiful to, to and, and, and tasty also, <laughs> and, and great to see. And, um, you know, if you want to rent the whole villa, I think it's 73000 to 104000 a week for anybody who's listening. If, if, you, if you can afford that, you're probably not listening to this podcast. Um, but... Um, <laughs> You, you have a good friend here, so I, 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 I mean, yeah, I this, mean is, this is one of the best part. I, I could, I have places to stay all around the world now because of the virus. <laughs> so, so, so you, you are your friends, uh, yeah, invited, yeah. always. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, and what was the? You mentioned climate change, but through all your different experiences in the wine business, what, mm -hmm. what kind of led you? Was it working with Paolo? What made you? decide we need to be we need to be organic with uh, how we're, 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 we're handling the vineyards. So in, well three things basically one is that uh, being organic in uh, in uh, in an area where the weather is Mediterranean climate and so it's very pretty mild uh, we don't have major storms we don't have a lot of humidity is pretty easy so mm -hmm. I say I mean I felt like we had to do mm -hmm. second thing is quality because uh, Organic approach allows the vines to be much more in balance with the environment. You don't force the production towards a specific direction and you allow your roots to go deeper down in the soil. Also, you encourage biodiversity, insect, uh, uh, microorganisms in the soil uh, uh, that helps a lot the vines to be healthy and to produce grapes that are for sure extremely tasty because in the end uh, it's all about the flavor of the wine so this in my opinion is a great way is a great tool uh, to encourage nature to follow uh, its uh, balance and gave and give a production of grapes that is a high quality one and beside that uh, I think it's also helping us a lot uh, in protecting uh, um, the vines against the global warming because the when you force 
uh, the concentration in the direction of concentration or lower density. To, so in, in a way, when then you have a, a super warm and super dry uh, vintage, there come the problems. If you have a healthy vineyard uh, and you leave it uh, more uh, naturally, uh, controlling the the leaves, uh, the the grapes, eh? that helps a lot to to prevent uh, the the effect of uh, of the heat waves and the too much dry air. Gotcha. And um, you mentioned Mediterranean climate. Um, th- there is a reference to that in the name of Argiano. Is that correct? <coughs> Something about gentle breeze or or yes. Yeah, so there is a, there's a, the name of Argiano. There is a different inter- interpretation. Okay. It's uh, because uh, the one is Aragiani. Okay. That right. uh, that is uh, Ara in Latin, so old uh, Roman language. Ara is temple, and Giano is a god. Was a god. Okay. Was the, the god similar to Bacchus? So also god of wine. And uh, and the other is yes, it's referring to the gentle breeze from from uh, from the sea because Argiano is uh, how do you say flying bird? I mean direct uh, oh, line. Oh uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, straight line. Straight or, line, yeah. uh, forty kilometers from the sea. So we get the influence from the sea. Right. That's for all the wine geese. It's called diurnal. They have a diurnal shift, so it comes through and it it cools down, allows the grapes to ripen more evenly. Absolutely, yes. It's especially in the summertime that helps a lot mm-hmm. because uh, uh, we have difference of uh, way of uh, temperature between night and day. Big swings, yeah. So, <clears throat> and then you mentioned the owners and that seller. I, I, re- I was doing some research and uh, he has a pretty extensive collection. So, like when guests come, like, like I assume there's a restaurant on there as well. Right. Okay. We, we have a great chef, uh, Elena Montini. She's young. 25, 25 years old, but she is super talented, and uh, she have been working in a great restaurant in the area, and now she's in Argiano. She does only local ingredients. Okay. Uh, we have a vegetable garden. Uh, we we do a food that is typical mm, Toscano, Montalcinese, but in a great way. So it's a, it's a nice experience to, to do. And how big is the the actual estate, and then how much of that is under vine, planted under vines? Half are vine and half is forest and olive trees. So it's um, the estate is uh, 120 hectares okay. that are not acres. Yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, yep. uh, 60 are vines, three olive trees, and the rest is uh, forest. Wow, that, that's great. Also because of the biodiversity. Sure, sure. No, I mean that. <coughs> um, you know, listen. People, listen, they would, they would have cut them trees down and planted some Cabernet Sauvignon up in Napa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. You know it's true. <laughs> yeah, business is business. Yeah, business, yeah. Business. <laughs> Can't be having these trees. <laughs> um, and, uh, and correct, I mean, that, and, all, and having like the olive groves and the forest, and because you're organic, um, and you're creating a biodiversity and you're um, that that all is in addition to having the vines go down that's all part of the terroir right I mean that, that shows uh, up in the wine right? absolutely yes and I, you know what's um, another important thing we have bees so okay. from in 2014 uh, we started the uh, production of honey inside the vineyards so we have a lot of bees inside the vineyards for the flowering season uh, they are very helpful that's amazing I have I have some friends who uh 
uh, have like four restaurants and three of them they just sell Italian wines and um, they get these care packages from some of the wineries uh, and it'll have like it'll have olives from from the from from the from the from the farm and and honey and pistachios nice and, you know and like they get these like for Christmas and and um, I mean when you're talking farm to table it doesn't get any crazier like your chef can go get the vegetables there right cook them and then you're pairing them with these wines speaking of which I'm gonna finish off my little bit of Brunello and try the Salengo so what's the Salengo so the Solengo is uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, 60%, uh, 40, anzi, 20 Merlot, 15 Petit Verdot, and 5 Sangiovese. So the Solengo has a deep history um, in, in Argiano too, because uh, Solengo was created by this iconic winemaker Giacomo Takis. As I told you before, okay. he was really an iconic uh, winemaker for Italy at that time, and in the 90s uh, he came to consult for Argiano, and in 95, he started the production of Solengo. Solengo means uh, wild board okay. when he's alone. So the idea is that this is a big wine uh, alone in Montalcino because it's one of the only Super Tuscan, real Super Tuscan made in Montalcino. And at that time was the first. And uh, I love the Solengo because uh, it's totally different from the Brunello. Completely different. It's a very fruity wine, yep. uh, powerful, but uh, also here the, the tannins are very balanced, very juicy. This is 2020 vintage that I love because the, I tasted the Brunello recently and they are fabulous in the barrel still, but fabulous. will be a fantastic year for the Brunello. Uh, it's, very, it's a very fruity vintage. The, the the summertime was lovely. September and October were super nice, climatically speaking. Uh, allowed uh, a very gentle ripening, so there's a lot of fruit. Uh, and the wine is, of course, uh, still young uh, because this can age many, many years. But I like the 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 the, 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 the juicy tannin. So it's not it's not uh, a wine that is difficult. This is fruity and this yes this is a, a wine <coughs> that is uh, uh, also good i mean as a glass of wine or meditation wine as <laughs> they call it. <laughs> i don't i i never understood what is about meditation but uh, I, want, but <laughs> i've tried i used to, i tried i'm like i'm just sitting here i can still my i'm still talking to myself <laughs> um but i you know what you said like you look at the brunello and you you uh when you came on board, you want to make mines that had uh, power, but still had a lot of finesse and elegance. And you can see that in the color. I mean, it's it's a complete different complete, but it's, it's much paler color. You, you pour this is, I mean, this, this is beautiful. This is like so dark in the glass, and it's, it's the purple there. The, the and the, in the in the nose, there's a lot of red fruit, uh, cassis. Uh, the cherry is very predominant. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, it's, 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 but we wanted to maintain the style different. For example, this we age in a uh, big oak barrel, very mm -hmm. gentle oak aging. Mm -hmm. This one in 60% uh, new oak, barrique, smaller casks. Mm -hmm. So there the, the wood effect is more. So this is, uh, speaking about California, the, the, uh, this is more looking Yeah, at this is Napa, like, if someone uh, likes California Cabernet, yeah. this, they're, gonna, they're gonna enjoy this, right? Yeah. This is gonna be in their wheelhouse. A coffee, espresso and things going on here, coffee notes. And so this started in 95. Do you have a library of Salengo at Argentina? Have you tasted some of those older vineyards? How, do, how does I know it holds up, but like, does it mellow? What 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 are some of the older vineyards tasted like to you? Absolutely. So is, is Solengo being 
Montalcino, a, a specific uh, region that allow to make powerful wine, but also elegant, especially the Argiano location. Solengo, depending on the vintage, um, is uh, in the warmer vintages, more looking at uh, Napa, Bulgari style, and uh, in the cooler at Bordeaux, right? Saint Estef from Bordeaux. So the, the vintage, the Solengo does age extremely well. The cooler vintage age really like uh, a classic Bordeaux. Gotcha. Uh, with more leather notes, a little bit more tight in the beginning, and they've all later. The, 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 the one like 20, like more like an Napa cup. So they lose a little bit of wood and, and fruit, but they gain complexity uh, a lot. And uh, 95, 99, uh, 01, uh, 06, 10, 15, uh, and 16 are my favorites so far in Solengo. And and so, as we talk about food and wine, like I, I know what I would pair this with. I, I, I like as I would pair this with a big, juicy cheeseburger. That's me. I love ah, cheeseburgers. Right, 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 right. I love a big, big, big red wine with a cheeseburger. Um, what would you like? What are some of your favorite pairings with your Brunello and then Salengo for you? As, and you make them. And that's why it's important to know, like, what do, what do you like to have with them? So I, I, I won't tell the name, but I have to say that I, I also love cheeseburger. And uh, we did a pairing once uh, of uh, a blind tasting of some of the best uh, Brunellos. Yep. So Poggione, Biondi Santi, Coldorcia, many, yep. many ones, Argiano, eh? with a uh, cheeseburger from a famous place and uh, we were in flight iron zone because we went and uh, and it worked out fantastically yeah. actually <laughs> <laughs> i love it so brunello of argiano mm, what i can say is that has a style in my opinion with more gentle tannins uh, and nice acidity but uh, very balanced uh, that match food uh, well and not only you don't have necessary to go for stick make yep. wild board uh, all that it goes extremely well with pasta for example it goes extremely well with uh, fish when it's cooked in a red sauce it goes extremely well with uh, rice uh, beans and chicken and pork uh, all that all, all this kind so your of wife's stuff. making you some arroyos con pollo absolutely <laughs> see <laughs> sancocho yeah. and all that it's, uh, and, uh, and and that goes very well so I, for example, we do uh, in Tuscany. There's a plate that is called uh, a baccalà that is cold fish alla Livornese. That okay. is a cold fish cooked long time in uh, red sauce. So it gets uh, it's fish, but uh, it's uh, it is it, a little bit more heavy than a raw fish or yep. something else. That matches perfectly the the Brunello in Montalcino. So I don't recommend necessary to to open the Brunello just when you have uh, a big. Uh, a meat meal uh, gotcha. uh, or, or or something important because this wine goes extremely well with different kinds because the food. elegance of it right exactly <coughs> right. while the the solengo i agree with you i mean mm, steak, cheeseburger yeah, steak yeah. Uh, and and all this for sure it's, yeah it's, i mean it's, it's, you know um you know i big thick cut pork chop stuff like that you yes, know? yes but i mean i i'm I, like i tell people if you see me you see on my Instagram, you see a picture of your wine with a cheeseburger. It means I really have respect for your wine. <laughs> I agree. I you agree. Know? <laughs> this is something simple. Yes. Uh, and it just is kind of go together. <clears throat> All right. So, you know, I think 
wine is so romantic. It really is this amazing beverage. And at this level that you're a winemaker and you're a CEO of, of a, you know, this is the highest level. Um, so how much, like, how much money went into revitalizing, renovating the, 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 uh, the estate? It had to be tens of millions of dollars. I, have, <laughs> I don't want to take the merit, but we have been good in okay. the sense that uh, as far as the winemaking part, yep. side and production part, Arjano did it uh, all on its own. On the, the And business is wealthy, gotcha. is doing good, yeah. so it's good. Uh, the restoration of the villa that is uh, uh, in total is uh, 5,000 square meters. It, they, it was in need of uh, restoring the completely the roof, uh, the old cellar, the facade, uh, all the rooms. Uh, uh, it costed some millions, but not. Mm, it, it, it wasn't crazy. Yeah. And uh, we did it on time. What's, what was surprising me is uh, the young architect we hired, uh, Filippo Sketch, is a local. He has been working in the Vatican, so he had that oh. kind of uh, experience yeah. of pedigree. <laughs> uh, we were able to do the restoration in three years and respecting more or less the budget. Uh, that when you have co- when you deal with construction, it's not easy to to yeah. respect the budget, and so we we, we are happy. Uh, anyone who's redone their bathroom or kitchen, though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and. You'd mentioned before the the cellar. So talk about so, so I I assume it's underground. It's like a cave. Talk about this. Cellar. Right. It's a, so it's a big cellar, almost uh, one thousand square meters. Uh, has always been used as a cellar. You go underground. There are stairs that goes uh, from the courtyard of Arjano, yeah. of the villa of Arjano, that goes down in the cellar, and then you enter in this place uh, that is. Uh, is beautiful. It's symmetric. It goes right under the shape of the of the villa of Arjan of the mm-hmm. castle, and has always been used as a cellar. And uh, it had uh, a lot of problems because at a certain point there were water floodings, uh, molds everywhere. So we had to take the wines out, cleaning it completely, mm. restoring bricks by brick, and. Uh, it does host what is most impressive to me. You see photos in my Instagram profile. Um, there's an old well. It was a huge well mm-hmm. at that time. And I was collecting all the water from the, from the roof and from the surrounding of the villa. So we put the water in some tanks outside in the garden. And now the old well is transformed into a vertical cellar dedicated to the history of Brunello. So there are stairs around the well, iron stairs, you go down, and it's impressive, you go really down, and there are Brunello bottles all, all, all around the walls, and it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's like a mystic experience. You go in the heart of Argiano, in the heart of the history, in the heart of the history of Brunello. And is... Does it also have uh, uh, Brunello from other producers, or is it just all Argiano? No. Uh, the most important uh, producers of uh, Montalcino and the founders of Consorzio del Brunello mm-hmm. are there. I, I love that. I, and and talk about that because talk about because uh, you said this like um, you know someone could buy a vineyard and they could plant Sangiovese, but they're not making Brunello. Like the books are closed. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, <laughs> right. So why is that important <clears throat> to 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 the consortium? 
So it is important because the, there are now 2,000 hectares planted as Brunello di Montalcino for a production that goes from 9 million uh, to 12 million of bottle and uh, strictly regulated. So there's not only a rule to follow to make uh, Brunello for the aging, for the quantity that you can do and all that, but also a quality control that is pretty strict. And so this way of protecting the, the production, I think is very good because the Brunello vineyards are planted uh, more or less only in the, in the good zones of Montalcino. Montalcino is uh, 24,000 of hectares, so it's a, a ve very big area. Only 2,000 are vineyard, majority 18,000 are uh, wood forest uh, and they don't allow to plant uh, more Brunello. So this is a good way to protect quality because uh, uh, only the good area are planted with vineyards. Yeah, I, I think I was, I was at, a, I can't remember, it was another, I don't know if it was, was it a Barolo tasting? But, um, and it was a, another, you know, estate that was hundreds of years old and you know the current owner said you know, say, just say it was Barolo. I said like there's not there's not, there's not a bad bottle coming out of Barolo now because when you when once you cap it you you know the quality right so like yeah. I mean nine to twelve million bottles it's not actually a whole lot of wine but you know I mean shit people make you know more than that of so much other wines <laughs> um, but. You know, instead of scaling it and saying, well, we, we're going to double that, like just it's actually doubled down on the quality. Right. That's the concept. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, uh, uh, it, there are still differences between the producers. Well, exactly. Uh, yeah, right, because everybody's terroir is differently said. So you're like on that southwest slope. So, the, you know, you, um, and the soil mapping, that's not typically done. No, no, it's a. Uh, I'm um, a big fan of that. I think it's most uh, important uh, to work uh, on the details than on the larger scale uh, and understanding what we have underneath its vineyard uh, helped us a lot. And I took inspiration from Piedmont. I had the chance to, to be there to consult in one year. And then uh, from France, uh, from my some of my favorite appellation where they do that. Uh, and even here in Oregon, they mm -hmm. do for Piedmont. Mm -hmm. And I think it works greatly, greatly. And, uh, it, it adds something to the wine, more precision, uh, more terroir expression if you work uh, by parcel instead of uh, collecting the grapes and then uh, ma just making wine. And so when you do that, that, that allows you, does that allow you, that helps you when you're blending or? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, especially it helps you to understand uh, how to deal with each different uh, vineyards, understanding what the soil is, what the quality of the grapes is. Uh, so we we take special care of each block, vinifying it differently. And then just at the very moment when you do the blend, uh, you have different ingredients uh, with its own identity, and that's great. Also, I have to say, with the best of the best, uh, we also do a single vineyard, uh, Sangiovese. I will bring it to you it's called Vigna del Suolo Brunello and uh, it's a specific vineyard uh, old 60 years old vineyard uh, with very uh, the soils are extremely rich in, rich in limestones uh, old clones of Sangiovese extremely small production uh, but that is uh, in my opinion the, the best wine of Argiano and I don't this, this question just popped in my head and Sangiovese that's um, that's a native 
Italian grape, correct? Right, yeah. correct. Right. Yes, 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 yes. It's a, it's a grape that uh, you find basically only in Tuscany, Emilia Romagna, and they did try to replicate and to make it. You know, Italians have been immigrants uh, in many different parts of the world, sure. and uh, and they of course uh, they are very attached to the wine production. So they try to to do in California, in Argentina, in Australia, but sincerely it doesn't grow well outside uh, Tuscany. Yeah. In um, Emilia Romagna. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like an Italian winemaker. No, it's true though. It's because uh, I mean that's it's just it's from there, right? And, right. And and it's and 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 I you know I appreciate experimentation and stuff and and I enjoy a California Sangiovese, but it doesn't taste anything like a, a Sangiovese from Italy. I mean, no, more powerful. Yeah, I more mean, it's, powerful, it's more riper. You know. Right. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's good, but it's not. Yeah, it's, it's uh, not. It's, yeah, it's, it's yes. not typical of what you'd expect from the grape. What would be I just about so so like what would be like a table wine in in Montalcino, right? So what would like just we, a vendetta? What like we we so we do it and uh, because we have a tra- being a historical winery, we have this tradition. You come by us and we give you the fresh um, Sangiovese bulk. Okay. So some people they they feel oh, wow, this is a luxurious estate that does that. Why does that? Because we have the local people. Yeah. As I told my my uh, the, the, the people like my used to be my grandpa and mm. they love to do to do that. They go to the winery. They have their own little. They have uh, uh, the growler. <laughs> yeah, exactly, damigiana. <laughs> yeah, and they fill it. And um, Sanchovese, if uh, so, this is the key point. Uh, it has to be well made because uh, Sanchovese is not an easy grape. So either you do it uh, high quality or you risk to be very tannic, unbalanced, um, not easy to drink. So it's not uh, like Merlot that is a little bit more easy to, mm-hmm. to make. Mm-hmm. So he, by us, uh, the, the thing is all our vineyards are registered as Brunello di Montalcino vineyards. So basically okay. the starting quality is high. Then we do different winemaking process. Uh, we do Brunello, we do Rosso di Montalcino, that is a younger, lighter style. So even the fermentation is uh, quicker, the aging is shorter. And then uh, we do with the younger vines, or without, we do very simple mm, Sangiovese that we use for uh, table wine, for bulk wine. And, uh, and, that's, uh, and that's common to come by Argiano and then and with your little damigiana and <laughs> fill up a little bit. I just had a great idea for you. Sangiovese Nouveau, just call it Nouveau, slap a label on it, ship it over here. You sell a shit ton of it, I guarantee wow. you. It compete with the Beaujolais Nouveau. Nah. Sangiovese Nouveau. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> if we do, <laughs> we, we, we... Yeah, you, we, tell me, you tell me two points. That's perfect. I'm good. Great. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that's, that's really, uh, you know, because this is very interesting for me. Uh, thank you for sharing all this stuff because you know when you go to like so Piedmont, right? So we know you know Nebbiolo is king, right? You have Barolo and Barresco, but then you know like tables, you have Dolcetto, you have Barbar, you know you you know of these grapes that they're doing right. table wines out of, right? right? And but like so you're so specific. I wondered how you created that. So uh, thanks for sharing that. That that makes sense. No, yes, 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 yes. It's uh, it's it's also a way because not everybody wants. Uh, a super complex wine yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a way to go back to what wine was eh? in, in Italy. It was a, um, 
simple, nice things to go with food. That's was. Yeah, and uh, it's well, it's so funny because I I think and you always have that image of when you see the you know just like the the average citizen drinking their wine, um, and they just drink it like out of a little short like a little short glass like this. And so, so my wife loves it. I'm like, no, no, no. We 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 drink in wine glasses. <laughs> we got us a swirl. But it's like, you know, but like that, it is. It, it wasn't. It was a part of life. It wasn't meant to be. And as much as we love this, but I likely said it, it. It's what it was. It's for to have with your food. You know, to share with friends. Absolutely. Yeah. There is still uh, in the osteria. No, not not so much anymore. But uh, there there is still the little glass. Uh, we call them. Uh, Gottino, in, Gottino. Uh, yeah, it was shot. But, yeah, uh, shot, yeah. yeah. And then the, I mean, it was uh, the purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what kind of is you've mentioned things? Uh, you know, uh, you, you went organic. Um, what's kind of like your focus? What your vision for the future of uh, the estate as the winemaker and CEO? So what we are trying to do is, uh, again, to work on details and uh, trying to do even better wine each year. We are very happy because we have uh, some great vintages arriving. We have the 19 in the next year for the Brunello that will be one of the vintage of the century. The 20 that you tasted, the Solengo, I love to see what will be the Brunello. And we don't want to grow in volumes. We just want to focus uh, and make it even more better wine uh, if it's possible for sure terroir driven wine and to make really a jewel of argiano in the area because this uh, mm. is well deserved by the importance of the place by the beauty of the place so we try just to focus on what we do simple things not too many wines but trying to make them uh, as better as possible mm, very cool very cool <coughs> so <coughs> um I play a little game. We have just a few more questions, but this is a time where we play a game. It's called FMK, uh, F uh, for fornicate, or actually it's not fornicate, but F. You're gonna you're gonna F a grape. You're gonna marry a grape, and you have to kill off a grape. So one is like your is like your mistress. The other is your wife. And the other one you, you can't see anymore. So I'm gonna give you three grapes, and you tell me which one you're gonna do. Okay. So um, Sangiovese, Cabernet, and Pinot Noir. <laughs> who you fucking, who you marrying, who you killing? Great. <laughs> <laughs> Sangiovese, I have to marry. Yeah. Uh, Pinot Noir, definitely fucking. Okay. Uh, and I have to kill Cabernet. It's a pity, but. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, people, it's not, I tell people that, like, it's not supposed to be. Not supposed to be easy. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I prefer to take. I mean, yeah, no, I, no, I, like, I, no, I know. So, no, I'm not so I had, no, I had. I, I asked Jeb Dunnick the wine critic question. He's like, he's like, he's like, I'm fucking them all, buddy. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't want to like, say oh, that. I was like, okay, what are you? You, 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 you went Mormon. I, you got sister wives, but yeah. My, 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 my wife is super beautiful, yeah. but I've never been so too picky. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, grapes. I can. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like this, this, this is what I'm yeah. drinking tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, this is a question I usually ask in the warm up, but I, I, you know, we I know you're you're in a time crunch, so I ask you this: um, Do you have a philosophy that you live your life by? So you, you're very successful. You've done some interesting things. Um, looked at this, uh, loved your approach to this business and your willingness to move around the world. But do you have a philosophy for your life that you kind of live by? 
Well, for sure, yes. I try mm, to keep being curious, not to mm -hmm. stop at all in what I do. I try to keep traveling a lot, meeting people. Uh, and uh, most important, uh, I try to be, I mean, kind with everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to uh, not to take myself seriously. This is uh, the most important thing, I think, in, in life also, I think. It's not... Uh, and do not take yourself too serious. I mean, life is short, uh, things changes, uh, so take it easy. I love that, I love that. And as someone who uh, is a winemaker of a historic state, has traveled the world, um, is there a bottle of wine, though, that just so memorable, knock your socks off, like, that you just remember to this day that really kind of rocked your world? Oh, yes, yeah, no, there are, mm, Multiple. Share, uh, please share. We have a few minutes. So, Champagne, Bereche, La Montagne. That's a small producer, okay. but uh, outstanding to mm -hmm. me. Uh, the uh, Riboyot, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, was outstanding. And uh, uh, in Tuscany, I had an amazing bottle of Montevertine that is a Chianti producer. I, I, I adore the wine. Poggio di Sotto, Brunello, uh, 12 impressed me, and uh, 09 impressed me one time in an incredible way. And uh, some great Barolos. Nice. Some great Barolos that I have in mind. But yes, yeah. I'm a great lover of champagne when I don't drink Sangiovese, yeah. Barolo, or yeah. Pinot Noir is becoming yeah. un unaffordable. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an expensive yeah. mistress, yeah, by the exactly. way. You know, yeah, it's deadly. You're going to pay. And that's why it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's perfect for being missed. You know <laughs> it costs you a lot. Also. Exactly. <laughs> the, it, the cost is, uh, can yeah. be very high, mess yeah. with Pinot Noir. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, Bernardino, thank you so much, man, for coming in. Tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing uh, at Argiano. So you, they can reach me out in Argiano anytime. And apart from jokes, we, every, we love people to come to visit us. We are in Tuscany, in Montalcino area, in center of Italy. They can find me on Instagram, uh, Bernardino Sani, slash Sani. And uh, if they don't find me, they find uh, Argiano1580 yeah, account. And they can reach us out. Thank you. And for all you listeners out there, don't forget to check the show notes for each episode. That's where you'll find info on the wines we drank. I'll put links to his socials, or the, the winery socials. And, uh, you know, that's where you're going to go to find them. So until the next time, cheers to all the mavericks, philosophers, deep thinkers, and all you wine drinkers out there. Peace. Thank you. You're welcome. Cheers. cheers. <laughs> it was great. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. <laughs>